0: Here we go, the official show on the Fish Stripes podcast channel with me, Eli Sussman, managing editor of Fish Stripes. This show is presented by Symbol, the stock market for sports. A whole lot more about Symbol coming up later in the show. Here on the pod, we cover the Miami Marlins every day in our own way. We appreciate all the ratings and reviews, all the feedback, positive or negative, as we try to. You know, fine tune this news and analysis about this team that we care about so deeply. This team that is uh, putting you through through a pretty rough time as of right now, recording on Tuesday night, coming off a loss to the Blue Jays, the fourth straight loss for this team, dropping them to five games below the 500 mark. Uh, it's a relatively light week of content on Fish Stripes uh, through mind uh, solely my fault. Where my uh, computer has been damaged and it's currently in the shop being repaired. In the meantime, I'm using a backup device that moves a whole lot slower than I would like in terms of a lot of the tasks that we like to do, some of the editing and designs, and really everything that I like to do is being impacted. So thank you for bearing with me. No real bells or whistles on this show, just because I don't have the access to my usual music library or the download speeds I would like to add in highlights and other sound effects. So. So I hope I hope it still is up to the standard that you're expecting. Breaking down this Marlins team, most of this, most of this episode is going to focus on Sixto Sanchez, kind of a forgotten man with this 2021 Marlins team, which is crazy because when this calendar flipped to 2021, I don't think there was anybody that was like aren't harnessing more of our attention than Sixto was entering this new year. He was. I think more so than anybody else, emerging as that potential face of the franchise type player here in 2021. We got that glimpse of him in the big leagues last year. I mean, at the minimum, he was supposed to be building off of that at some point here this year. Uh, Was hopeful to make the opening day roster, then when that kind of fell by the wayside, should have came up soon after that. But his whole year now has been kind of sidetracked by a shoulder inflammation issue, and as of this recording, we just got another setback with Sixto, where he's going to pause his throwing program because of some discomfort in that shoulder. That's going to be coming up later in the show for most of this episode, where we want to map out how we got here with Sixto, from him being you know, the most intriguing player on this team, um, the next Pedro Martinez, uh, someone that you were fascinated about on a number of levels to somebody that is like not at all impacting this team through the first couple of months of the year and who's who you just don't know what to expect um his entire year to this point essentially being wasted and i think that you need to point the finger in a couple different directions not only on Sixto himself but potentially to the team and some things that happen there as well as you know just some simple bad luck we'll get into all that for the first part of the show we need to Go through some observations about this Marlins team two months into the year, and particularly coming off this loss on Tuesday. A more conventional game recap coming on our Marlins small pod from A.T. Wardall on Wednesday morning on the same feed. I want to kind of complement that with some my own observations. I mean, the obvious place to start is with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who single-handedly swung the balance of this game. A final score of five to one, and it felt. The game felt decided pretty early on that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. no doubt home run off of Sandy Alcantara. Sandy, for the most part in this game, kind of looked exactly like the guy that we've come to expect and Love, who is just a consistently great pitcher. Uh, On this night, his fastball velocity is where you're accustomed to it being, maxed out around 100 miles per hour, sitting at 97. He mixed in his secondary pitches very frequently against righties and lefties, and yet, you know, his final line allows four runs, all of them earned, and all of them pretty much because of Vlad, the three-run home run that he hit early in the game. And then indirectly, he helped manufacture a run, uh, I think, in the fifth inning. So overall, Vlad had four hits in this one, three of them coming off of Sandy. And, I mean, this is the first game all year that Sandy had to face a designated hitter in this one. That lengthened the lineup a little bit. It really just boils down to Vlad kind of making the one-man difference. This is the type of player that, as we're about to get into, the Marlins do not have anybody that's even remotely comparable to this type of, like, offensive superhero. He really is just a savant with a bat in his hands, using all fields, hitting for extraordinary power, and is he's really so much fun to watch, and someone that is at the heart of this Blue Jays team ascending as a, potential perennial playoff threat. So I'm envious. There's no doubt about it. That brings us over to Jazz. Jazz Chisholm Jr., I guess, is the closest comp you would have in terms of an everyday player on this Marlins team that people are enamored with uh, for good reason, especially what he did early on in the year. And another quiet game from him here. This was his first game back coming off of that ankle sprain. So that's where we want to emphasize that, that this is Overall, encouraging to see that both Jazz and Adam Duvall, both those guys were nursing minor injuries. You weren't entirely sure if they would be able to avoid the injured list, but both of them felt well enough to start in this game. Both of them played the complete game, if I do notice correctly. Yes, and even though they Marlins had the DH in this one, they had Jazz at shortstop, one of the few times he's gotten to play shortstop this year, and they had Adam Duvall in right field. So, that's a minor victory, the fact that you had them available and uh, b- believed to be relatively close to 100% strength. What I'm noticing, though, from Jazz is that we now have this significant sample. You know, uh, it's not as large a sample as his April, when in April he was one of the great all around players in baseball. But since returning from that major injury, that hamstring strain in uh, mid May, we're now up to 41 plate appearances since he's been back and he has 18 strikeouts in those 41 plate appearances versus one walk striking out in the mid 40s percent of the time nearly half the time he comes to the plate since returning from the hammy strain he strikes out and yet he only has one walk and those are the first things you point to when uh, you want to determine exactly what kind how a player is recognizing pitches and going through their process at the plate there's like a certain ratio with your strikeout rate and walk rate where it's just impossible to be successful. And that's kind of where we're at with Jazz since he came back from that injury. The overall numbers um, have been like replacement level. You know, they haven't been a disaster since he came back from the injured list, but obviously paling in comparison to what he did in the first portion of this year. I mean, a lot closer to what he looked like in 2020 down the stretch when uh, people were not, you know, they were happy to see him tested at that level, but when he didn't even look ready to be a big leaguer at that point. So the longer this goes on, the more of a red flag it is, of course. Um, in the moment, as we're going to get into the Marlins, I mean, they they really have nowhere else to look to. Jazz is cemented in their lineup and really at the top of their lineup for the near future, kind of by default with the state of this infield I'm I'm just I just wanted to point that out that um when you see Jazz in the lineup and you kind of your word association goes to this is the guy that's gonna carry us for this near-term future, I don't think that's responsible or I don't think facts really back that up. When you look at his now overall numbers for the year, still a good rookie year by all accounts, but let's not overreact to what he did early on. Let's not overreact to how he's slumping right now. He's someone that really throughout his entire pro career has been conducive to these violent streaks of hot and cold and hot and cold and hot and cold. When it all evens out, hopefully he is a very good everyday player for this team. The Marlins lose this one 5-1. to one. As I said, they got nothing from Jazz. They got a little bit from some of the other players in this lineup. Um, a fair amount of walks, a lot of singles, but just no power whatsoever. They end up losing the game, and this really... Kind of hammers home exactly the position the team is in right now. Where at the very end of the game, Corey Dickerson he comes off the bench to pinch hit and he extends the game by drawing a walk. It loads the bases with two outs in the top of the ninth. The next hitter representing the tying run, and it is the spot in the order for for Luis Marte who is making his major league debut. And Mattingly takes him out for a pinch hitter, but that pinch hitter is rookie Jose Devers. 21-year-old Jose Devers, who skipped double-A, who barely played at triple-A, who has no business being in the big leagues right now, and he's the choice to pinch hit as the Marlins' last hope in you know a relatively close game. He uh, he falls behind 0-2, he works the count full, and and then he strikes out to end the game. And I have nothing against Devers. I really do think he has quite a significant major league career ahead of him But this is like lunacy that he is in the big leagues right now starting a lot. He's starting a lot of games. He's, I mean, against right-handed pitching, he's going to be in the lineup for the foreseeable future almost every single game at either shortstop or second base, uh, probably second base against right-handed pitching. So he was off the bench in this one, but they are putting so much responsibility on his plate, kind of knowing that he is not ready to step into that role yet because they really just leapfrog this whole part of his developmental process because of the situation they're in with these injuries. Uh, before the game, we got some updates on Brian Anderson, that he is already kind of beginning this rehab from his shoulder subluxation. That was some of the best news that we got on the injury front prior to Tuesday's game, that BA is already in the midst of rehab. That gives you some hope that it's not a super long-term injury. We'll see exactly what, the doctors say when he gets reevaluated next, uh, either by the end of the week or potentially the following week, that was relatively good news. On the downside, with Miguel Rojas, it was determined that there was a small fracture in his finger that was dis- the finger that was dislocated on the pickoff play last week. Uh, a fracture on top of that, he is already going through some range of motions exercises. Um, but I, I mean, it's pretty clear that he'll be out well beyond the minimum of ten days as well. Both those guys out for the rest of this road trip at the very least, but almost certainly beyond that. Pretty deep into June, you need to expect that your left side of the infield is not going to be there. Guys that are so like well-rounded as players that are now just absent from this team, it leaves a huge void. It's what compelled me to write our first um, Trade Proposal Tuesday article, a new weekly series, Trade Proposal Tuesday, uh, throughout June and July, where I pinpoint individual players that the Marlins want to pursue, and of course, want to put together a a reasonable proposal as to what the Marlins would have to give up to get them. Then the featured player in our trade proposal today was Diamondbacks infielder Eduardo Escobar just a couple of years removed from a dominant season. And even this year, he's up to 13 home runs. He plays second base. He plays third base. He's a pending free agent, but he's not that old. He's not super expensive. And he is admired by uh, so many people around the league. Um, I put together a four-player package that you could read about more on fiststripes.com. And I put together under the premise that the Marlins should go after him right now because it is A crisis really like their season is going to go down the tubes if they don't make a substantial infield acquisition in the coming weeks they cannot survive this offense cannot like stay afloat without adding somebody uh, that has an impact outside the organization who can play some of those infield spots whether it's second base shortstop or third base or some combination of those ideally and Escobar is the one that jumped out to me because he's on one of the worst teams in, in the majors, on the Dimebacks, a team that might already be ready to deal. It, it's obviously not going to happen this quickly. It was, it was kind of a pie-in-the-sky proposal just because of the timing of it. The Marlins really need to go down that list of comparable players who might actually be available because you cannot lean this heavily on Jose Devers. You cannot lean on anything from Isan Diaz Although he did have, let's see, tonight was one of his best nights of the season. He did have one hit. One hit makes it one of the best nights of the season. His batting average goes up to 125. Hey, boy. That just shows you where we're at with Isan Diaz. The fact that Luis Marte was in the lineup. I mean, bless him, making his major league debut after a decade in the minors. That's a beautiful story. its It's not really helping this team. And at a critical juncture of their season... They just do not have the talent in their infield. They have Eddie Alvarez away on the Olympic qualifiers, and I, I'm not hopeful that the team is actually going to take this seriously. Because earlier on Tuesday, I got confirmation of a couple new signings for this organization on the minor league side. Players that will are believed to be reporting to Triple A Jacksonville. Old friend Justin Twine, a former Marlins draft pick in 2014, who the organization released. Uh, last year he's been brought back from his independent league team and they did the same thing with galley cribs jr who was also with an independent league team even an older player who doesn't have any major league experience it's great that those guys are getting a second chance um, it's just a Luis Marte 2.0 3.0 situation the same type of guys that are getting this opportunity from a team that has no better alternatives They acquire these guys on a budget. Let's see what they look like in Jacksonville. I think kind of regardless of what they look like in Jacksonville, you cannot believe that they will move the needle at the major league level if they do get those opportunities. So the the longer that the team kind of drags their feet on this or is in denial about this, um, the more ground they're going to lose in the standings because as I already mentioned, Jazz is so streaky. He's going to turn it on again. Eventually, you just don't know exactly when, and unfortunately, this timing cannot be worse. The lack of quality depth for this team is um, just not on a satisfactory level to keep things going. Uh, I mean, the good news is that you don't have to focus only on the Marlins when it comes to prognosticating how the rest of this year is going to look and who you really trust to make you a profit because we are proudly partnered with Symbol, the stock market for sports. Symbol allows you to trade sports teams like stocks, and you earn cash payouts when they win. It's that simple. You just use your knowledge about MLB, NFL, the NBA to buy low and sell high on these teams. Check out the market analysis directly on Symbol, the analysis we have on fish Stripes to get you comfortable with their platform. There's more than 2,500 early adopters already who are making investments on Symbol. What you do is you go to symbol.app, www.simbull.app, and create a free account. When you make your first deposit, you know, spend a little bit to get started. Just use the promo code FISHSTRIPES, all one word, FISHSTRIPES, for your $10 deposit bonus. The current Sim Marlins share price is the highest it's been all year, at $32.21. Visit symbol.app, use the promo code FISTRIPES for a $10 deposit bonus to help build your portfolio. Invest in what you know, invest in sports. You could buy low, if, if individual players were stocks, you could buy low on Sixto Sanchez right now. He's been missing in action this entire year, I feel like I have to give a refresher about Sixto because he has not come up a whole lot on this pod just because I was kind of resigned to the fact that he was going to be out for a large chunk of the season I mean the the verbiage from Don Mattingly and Kim Ang this entire year has kind of leaned that way that they were going to be very cautious with Sixto ever since um, he kind of fell behind in the first place. As I mentioned up top, I I think he was like the most intriguing player in this organization to start 2021. And why was that? Because as a rookie, and technically he was still a rookie entering this year, in his first call-up of 2020 during the regular season, a 3.46 ERA, a 3.50 FIP in 39 innings pitched, and that's while pitching, of course, with the universal DH to make it even more impressive. He threw the only complete game for the Marlins in 2020, and it came against his former team, the Phillies. That was a more, one of the more satisfying regular season games we saw. It's not just the results. I mean, it's the style that he does it with. Uh, regular season and playoffs included, according to StatCast, 21 pitches above 100 miles per hour from Sixto Sanchez in that very small sample. That included uh, starting the game that clinched the National League wildcard series over the Cubs. And, I mean, that's probably the one game in particular that was the most satisfying all year, and Sixto was the one that got them through five scoreless innings of that. He has that amazing velocity that I just highlighted. He has a special changeup that it's right up there on the short list of the nastiest individual pitches this organization has, he showed a lot of potential with his slider. And above all else, he has excellent control. He showed that throughout the minor leagues. Um, I watched a lot of him in 2019 when he was pitching for Double A Jacksonville against a competition that was much older than him, even back then. I mean, of course, pitching in the majors is an even bigger disparity. But he has this track record in the minor leagues of being such a complete pitcher, where he has at least three plus pitches. He has really five total pitches in his arsenal. He's is a really cerebral guy. He is someone that really repeats his mechanics very well. And the one knock on him, um, the one concern about him, and this really applies to so many other pitchers, of course, is just durability and how you're able to forecast that. So that gets us to how this year kind of unraveled for him before it even started. he of course on the 40man roster and he was uh, believed to be you know a front runner for one of the opening day rotation spots, although with the understanding that the Marlins would watch his innings very carefully this year because he's had significant elbow injuries in the past uh, and his conditioning has been inconsistent. He's not a perfect pitching prospect. There's that durability issue, and I mean, I guess you want to point to the spring training of 2020, when even before he made his Major League debut, where there was an issue with his conditioning. He was fat entering spring training, so much so that they held him out of appearing in Grapefruit League Major League Spring Training games. They wanted him to focus on the the off-the-field stuff and make sure that he was committed to you know being the best version of himself by all accounts he kind of addressed that uh during that covid hiatus in the spring and summer of 2020 he reported to summer camp in better shape he impressed at the fish tank the alternate training site and from there it was you know pretty much smooth sailing up to the big league level when that rotation spot opens and he would i mean he showed the makings of being a guy that would be a fixture in this Marlins rotation for years to come and being you know one of the more recogn- recognizable guys on the team and across the entire league the stuff he has the swagger he has the control he has it, it was all coming together where at the very least you just saw this high floor of a guy that was going to be a good starting pitcher for a very long time So what went wrong? Uh, In spring training here in 2021, he arrives behind schedule due to visa issues. We don't know all the particulars of that. Did he do something wrong with his uh, travel arrangements that made that come up? Um, Was it just bad luck? Uh, There were a lot of foreign-born players that were affected by visa issues this spring, so I don't think you can hold that against him. What you absolutely cannot hold against him is a false positive COVID test uh, that he had in Late February, that further delayed his progress. You know, during that time, again, you need to put yourself in that mindset of February where the pandemic is still raging, and like hardly anybody had a vaccine at that point, especially among these younger adults. So, when you, you know, allegedly tested positive for COVID, they had to isolate you for a number of days. That t- completely stalled his ramp up and trying to get stretched out to be a starting pitcher, which is, of course, uh, the big asset that he brings to the table is that he's so efficient with his pitches, he's so consistent with his pitches, and, I mean, it's one thing to have nasty stuff like that and be in the bullpen and and even in high leverage situations, it's even more valuable to be a starting pitcher, and he has all the makings of being exactly that. Unfortunately, it's a long process, and so once that positive COVID test hit, um i mean by then it became pretty apparent that he was going to be on the outside looking in on the opening day roster he just did not have the time to get like reasonably stretched out to be a starter you know in a on a typical schedule so this is where it really gets murky because he finally for the first time got to pitch in some major league spring training games the second week of march and he makes one, two, three of those appearances in Grapefruit League games, makes another one on the backfields, and he's, he's lined up to, you know, make one of the finishing touches, you know, to his preseason preparation. It's already, by the time we get to the end of spring training, it's apparent he won't be on the opening day roster, that they sent him up to Jacksonville, to the fish tank, uh, to kind of finalize his preparation for the season and just wait for a fifth rotation spot to open up for him. And as he is pitching in a game on March 31st, one day before Major League Opening Day, he's up in Jacksonville, and a couple innings into that game, they remove him for discomfort that he was feeling in his shoulder. And immediately, when it's any player, any pitcher, and it's anything related to their arm, there's concern about that. Although the team kind of did downplay it, and after everybody kind of held their breath, I mean, the diagnosis was disappointing that he had inflammation in the back of his shoulder, but it didn't seem like a like a, a deal breaker for his season. Like there was no reason to panic at that time already with the understanding that he'd be slowed down, that um that he'd be handled carefully this year and he wasn't going to be in the rotation all year anyway. Um And it just seems like a fluky thing because they really did handle him responsibly, handle him gently during that spring training process, even once he fell behind schedule. You know, he was making starts every five or six days. They were only exceeding his workload by 15 or so pitches every single outing. They, They didn't rush him to the big leagues. There really didn't seem to be any mistakes along the way that would subject him more so to injury than anything else. I mean, and for his part, he seemed to be in the same kind of physical condition that he was during the 2020 season. It was a frustrating setback for sure but felt like something they could overcome relatively easily you know once he suffered that issue and once we got the diagnosis, I think this was must have been April 2nd or April 3rd, I think if you said fast forward two months that even on a conservative side, there was every expectation that he would be in the big leagues by now, that at the very least, they were going to get two-thirds of a season from him at the major league level. And instead, as I said up the top, the update that we got from the Marlins is that he just, its at, on June 1st, he was still feeling discomfort in that shoulder, and they're kind of pausing to take next steps in the process. What I find is a very fascinating comparison here is between Sixto and Eliezer Hernandez because you'll remember Eliezer Hernandez opened the year in the rotation a couple innings into his first start of the regular season he gets removed early for precautionary reasons and upon closer evaluation they find a biceps tendon issue where they have to shut him down so that was that was really the bigger uh setback for the Marlins as a major league team because Eliezer was the guy that they were hoping to get something close to a full season out of him as an older player, but somebody that has you know physical comparisons to Sixto, where he's listed at six foot tall, kind of a stocky six foot tall even guy, um, who has had some injury issues in the past as well, just like Sixto has. Nothing um, particularly with his elbow. I think in the past he had, he's obviously had blister issues in the past. He uh, he's he's a couple kind of fluky injuries for Eliezer in his career, but the same like understandable durability concerns. So they diagnose him with that biceps issue. And according to the timeline I'm looking at, you know, a couple days into April is when he suffers the injury. By mid-April, by the time we get an update from the team on April 16th or so, that update specifies that Sixto has begun throwing up to 45 feet, and Eliezer has been throwing up to 60 feet. So let me just make those dates abundantly clear. Sixto suffers his injury on March 31st, and by the middle of April, he's throwing again. Eliezer Hernandez suffers his injury a couple days into April, around the same time as Sixto, just a couple days later. By the same point, he is throwing again. So both these guys suffered injuries to their throwing arm. Both of them get shut down for a week and a half, maybe two weeks at most, and then they're back throwing again. So what I don't understand is how we go from there to where we are now, where Eliezer Hernandez is on the verge of rejoining the Marlins rotation. He is eligible to come off the 60-day injured list on June 3rd, and it looks like he is going to be reinstated pretty much as soon as he is eligible. And then we have Sixto, who at this moment has been shut down from throwing yet again, and his arrival is uh, totally unclear. He has not been stretched out for anything close to a starter's workload. He's still a long while away. So how how did this happen with those two guys is I mean, something that I will never get a definitive answer to. Of course, everybody's individual body is different, and these injuries between these two guys are Different. I mean, just some things I want to draw to your attention, though, is just how slow that ramp-up was for Sixto, you know, where we have this statement from the team that he's been throwing since mid-April, and yet he only threw his first bullpen session at the very, very end of May. So there were six weeks between when Sixto was cleared to throw again and when he was throwing his first bullpen session. To compare that with Eliezer Hernandez, he started throwing in mid-April as well, and he had his first bullpen session uh, on May 8th, it looks like, about three weeks gap in between there. So Sixto Sanchez was brought along at half the speed that Eliezer was brought on, even though both guys suffered injuries around the same time. And I'm just going to say that again because this is the detail that I'm really stuck on. Both these pitchers suffer injuries to their throwing arm around the same time, One of them takes about three weeks to go from throwing to bullpen. The other one takes six weeks to go from the beginning of his throwing progression to a bullpen session. Everybody's body is different. Injuries are a little bit different, but that just seems to have been a, an intentional choice by the Marlins organization to bring Sixto along at a snail's pace. A guy that is there, I think everybody agrees, is if not the number one prospect in the organization, he's awfully close. He has, and if nothing else, he is entirely ready for the big leagues right now. He is an important part of this team. Year four of a rebuild coming off a postseason appearance where they say publicly, where they're not afraid of anybody, we love the team that we brought back. This is a team that is, is talking like one that wanted this year to mean something, to be competitive. I, I, that doesn't jive with the way that they were handling Sixto coming off of an injury, but uh, all things considered a mild injury. So the one detail I wanted to mention about this is that once Sixto did suffer the injury, and I think everybody believes it was a real injury of some kind, I'm not accusing them of faking that, I wonder if the thought entered the Marlins' head or that he suffers that injury uh, while he gets shut down in the early part of April. The team drops to, remember, they dropped to 1-6. They lost six of their first seven games to start the year in a year when, when frankly pretty much everybody predicted some regression from them, uh, that the expectation was if they didn't finish last in this division, it wouldn't be a whole lot better than that, that this just, they seems to be a year away from being relevant in most people's eyes. You have to wonder if early on in the year they saw what was happening. They saw, you know, some inherent flaws with this team offensively for sure. And, um, perhaps in just the level of competition that they were going up against and you wonder if they saw that and wondered with Sixto, you know, nursing this injury whether to take a long-term view in in terms of handling this prized player of theirs. Sixto did get major league time in 2020, but due to how he was behind schedule in his ramp up for regular season this year, the team did option him to the minors right before the year started. And So what are the rampa- ramifications of that? I mean, one, it saved them a lot of money because when you are in the majors or on the major league injured list, you get paid like a major league player. Even for someone like Sixto, he would get the rookie minimum salary. It's well north of half a million dollars a year he got, he was options before the start of the regular season. And that meant that instead he does not receive, you know, major league salary during this entire time. He's been paid a tiny fraction of that, uh, as a 40 man roster player. You know, he's, he's making more than the the typical minor leaguer. It's something that he can live off of, but it is, it's just pennies on the dollar of what he would have been getting if he had been fully healthy and in the major leagues. So I bring that up for, I guess, a bunch of reasons that we'll get through and then finally close out this pod here uh, heading into the middle of this Marlins road trip. With Sixto, because he had been optioned before that, he has every incentive of trying to get back to the big leagues. He doesn't make money. He doesn't make any real money when he's in the minor leagues. He obviously does not – he doesn't, like – grow him if he has this, if he has any sort of like egotistical piece of him that wants the attention and wants the acclaim um, for being a star pitcher. He doesn't get that when he's in the minor leagues. And I mean, most of all, he doesn't get any service time once he has options. He has not been adding to his service time while he's been in the minor leagues this year. So last year, 6 was up for uh, slightly more than half of the regular season and on a pro rated basis he was credited with 103 days of service time in 2020. so that that has not changed since then and if everybody's expectation was that you know once they called him up he would get six more full years in the Marlins organization called up in 2020 under control for the next six years beyond that all the way through the 2026. Season before potentially being eligible for free agency, I wonder if the Marlins saw the team struggle out of the gate, knowing that Sixto was injured, uh, understanding, of course, his history of injuries prior to that, and um, one in thought it's very important for them to use this opportunity to get an extra year of control, even beyond what they were originally anticipating with him. What would that mean? That would mean that they, this year, to ensure that that club control would extend an extra year all the way to 2027, they would need to limit 6 service time this year to 68 days uh, at the major league level. The, the way it adds up, um, he needs to be held to 171 days or less um, to, to fall below a full year of service time, and uh, to kind of push back the clock an entire year, uh, he he already got most of the way to a full year of service time last year, but because that's been stopped right now, if they really kick this can down the road, uh, they maybe they saw this path to extending their service time a full year much deeper into his twenties. It's crazy considering this is a guy that kind of moved through the system almost as fast as you possibly could, but there's now this scenario where he could be under control all the way through his age 28 season, all the way past his 29th birthday, if they, you know, hold him down a little bit longer. It's, I I don't find this theory entirely plausible, because we've seen how, you know, how much of a, uh, I don't even know the right word for it, how it's just been a total, discombobulated situation trying to fill out this Marlins rotation behind Sandy, Pablo Lopez, and Trevor Rogers. It's essentially been a three-man rotation for almost this entire year before Cody Poteet finally stepped up as a semi-reliable fourth guy. that You would think there's an urgency to bring Sixto back, that he would be so much better than all these bullpen days and all these fringy call-ups that they've had uh, at various points during the year that he could make such a big difference. You know, this team that despite all its flaws offensively could still be, you know, on pace for all of its goals if they had this above average starting pitcher on top of, you know, the studs that lead their rotation themselves. But that magic date uh, about that would push back his service time an entire year is July 28th. That would be the first eligible day for him to be called up, um, while you know preventing him from reaching a full year of service time in 2021, and pushing things back so that he's under control all the way through 2027, uh, and just the reading between the lines of what Kim Eng recently said about how they were treating Sixto as kind of a potential trade deadline acquisition. When is the trade deadline? The trade deadline is at the very end of July. So I, I wonder if she you know, chose that phrasing intentionally, if she really meant it literally. I, I think it's fair to say that they did not plan for him to feel discomfort in his shoulder during his rehab, but I'm just going to defer to Marlins insider Craig Mish on that, where Mish is pretty bluntly said on Twitter on Tuesday that he's had a tough time getting accurate, transparent information about Sixto's rehab. So the Marlins say on Tuesday that he experienced some discomfort in the shoulder. Do we believe them? Do we believe that he was feeling discomfort and uh, that they are slowing down his throwing progression because of that? You know, right when he seemed to be on the verge of potentially maybe facing live batters and then doing a rehab assignment in the near future. Now that's being pushed back a little bit. Is it a coincidence is it something to worry about with Sixto, or is it just very convenient for a team that is, again, to get that extra year of service time, they'd have to hold him down for almost another two months from this point, all the way until the end of July before they'd be able to call him up while ensuring that he's still you know, short of that service time marker. Sixto has every motivation for handling himself carefully, uh, for you know listening to what the trainers say and you know taking the steps whether it's with his delivery or with his physique to prevent injuries in the future like there's there's no reason why Sixta would want to be like living in this uh, like I, w- I don't want to overstate it I want to call it like, uh, like purgatory but this this must be really painful uh for him to you know not being able to take advantage of this opportunity with this Marlins team, to not establish himself, to not earn money. I think he wants to earn – this is not a guy that was ever a highly regarded international signee. He does not have – you know, I don't want to get inside his his bank account, but he he needs – he's got a lot of work ahead to kind of secure his future. He's not going to, you know, do it all just based on the hype and based on the nice words from Pedro Martinez – this is this was a pretty critical stepping stone year for him on paper that i think even in a best case scenario at this point is not going to live up to his hopes and the organization's hopes for how this has played out it's been it's been disappointing and i don't know exactly who to point fingers at we're not going to get like a fully transparent explanation as to what's going on um and just to in the words of stripes own reporter, Ethan Badowski. This is not a reason to panic that there is still hope for him to come back. We still haven't gotten a full, you know, clarification as to what this recent discomfort is with Sixto. Yeah, I, I hope all these thoughts have been at least relatively cohesive about Sixto. All I'm saying is that for those that believe this is some sort of character flaw on his account that somehow he's not doing enough to get back healthy. All I'm saying is that he has every possible motivation, every incentive possible like to get onto the field and contribute at the major league level to pitch in front of crowds for the first time. He didn't get to do that last year, and you just know that he would thrive off of those kind of atmospheres at Lone Depot Park and on the road and everything that comes with being a major league player. In between, so I think I speak for everybody when I, we hope we see Sixto with the Marlins as soon as like realistically possible at this point. And realistically possible, I I, I don't really see a scenario where he's up before the All Star break now. If they paused his throwing program and still are like determined to stretch him out as a regular starter, like that whole process is still gonna take another month uh, from the point where. He's actually, you know, given the green light to throw again. He's going to miss the majority of this season, and that is just crazy to think about from where we were entering 2021. This has been Eli Sussman. This show, as always, presented by Symbol, the stock market for sports. Thank you guys for the support. Uh, Hoping to get my regular computer back relatively soon so that I could do everything I like to do with the gifts. With the edits for Fish Picks, we have a new sponsor for Fish Picks for June and beyond, 305 candles every single month, uh, giving away a grand prize, the 305 Cafecito candle, valued at $49, but free to whoever is a points leader in our contest. Be sure to play along with Fish Picks every single Marlins game. There's going to be a Marlins game for the next 15 straight days, and now's the perfect time to jump into the contest if even if you haven't done it previously it's very simple to get involved only takes a few seconds of your time each day spread the word about it and support 305 candles I mean, we have a discount code that you can see it plastered all over our site you get 10 percent off your order no matter how big your order when you enter the code fishstripes at checkout on 305candles.com so support them support symbol um Hopefully, we'll have our series preview live stream against the Pirates going up on Fish Stripes Live on Thursday. I'll have to keep you posted about that. And uh, the rest of this week, we still have our small pods going up in the mornings. Plenty of articles coming up as well on FishStripes.com. Uh, stay involved with this team on the Major League side, on the Minor League side, of course, coming off a really nice month uh, for the Marlins Minor League affiliates. And we'll have plenty of coverage of that as well on all of our platforms. All things Miami Marlins every day in our own way on Fish Stripes. Thank you guys for listening. Go Fish!